You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about art. We talk about spiritualism. We talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, meritocracy, and mediocrity. We do sometimes talk about things like sexual assault, suicidal ideation, self-harm, trauma, and whatnot. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor. Not a therapist. Not an expert. In a discussion of what to do with this stupid sacred life are you blessed or are you cursed with a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst do you want to confide about the darkness inside come and talk about it on self-worst hello my little losers my little worsties my little selfies should that be the name for the uh fans of the podcast fans all five of you you're my little selfies I don't know come up with something I guess I'm Brad Pearson welcome to Self Worst it's still January oh my god it feels like Christmas 2021 was like seven years ago It's insane how slow this month is. We're just inside all the time. Might be starting World War III or whatever. That's fun. For whatever reason, I have like a deep visceral fear of nuclear war. You know, it's just something that's real scary to me. I don't know why. Seems like a bad seems seems like that would be really a bad way to go out and I don't want that but everybody else seems real gung-ho about it turn on CNN turn on MSNBC they're like yeah 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 they are fucking horny for a war with Russia oh they want that shit they are ready dicks are hard okay I don't know whatever have at it or start World War 3 over the Ukraine or whatever some I don't what's there some potato fields I imagine I don't know probably some pleasant architecture I... do any of you even know what NATO stands for, like as the acronym. I had to look it up. It stands for who gives a shit. And yet, we're about to get into some horrible shit over this. Okay, I don't know. I'm trying to not be a fatalist about it. I just, my brain goes places. My brain goes bad places. Something about being on Twitter and seeing World War Three trending uh, just uh, kind of gets under my skin and makes me feel bad and gross and scared. Not good for my mental health. 
on top of everything else. So, uh, it's been a weird week. I don't know. Will it lead to a global nuclear volley? Probably not. Probably not. I don't know, bro. Fucking, I don't know. But, it, will it lead to some bullshit and a bunch of wasted money and this, this is all very stupid and out of our hands? Yes. Are we going to helplessly watch as this is all handled very poorly? Yes. Is it maybe triggering to one of my deepest, most formative experiences watching 9-11 and the Iraq war and all of that stuff and just being like, what the fuck is happening when I was a teen boy? Yeah, probably. That probably has something to do with it. I don't know. I don't want to sound like no peace, Nick, or nothing. A hippie? But I'm not into war. I don't like it. Bothers me. Seems stupid. But okay, whatever. Great. Let's fucking try and think about anything else. <sighs> hey, any of you out there struggling with intrusive thoughts? Finding it uh, difficult to concentrate on what you're supposed to be doing and just going about your daily life and living in the world and just vibing without just like nagging simmering dread following you at all times you know it's the, that that cliche of uh, don't think about a yellow jeep what are you thinking about a yellow jeep I can't avoid thinking about this shit as soon as it enters my brain that's it it's in there it's gonna just keep ricocheting around in there like a bullet put in my fucking head to shut it up I got dark it's been dark I don't know what do you want welcome to self worse bitch we talk about the end of the world and suicide right in the opening bed who cares how are you I love you hi let's talk about our guest Christiana Jackson. She's a comedian here in New York City. She's very funny. I saw her uh, a show a couple of, I don't know, whenever it was before lockdown part two and all that bullshit. Um, she's very funny. Very passionate. Travels the world. She's horny as fuck. She's uh She's just, she's just smart, and she just uh, knows what she wants out of life, and we need that, because uh, for all we know, this is, uh, this is it. I might not even, I'm recording this on Tuesday night, we might be dead before I even get to put it out. What are you going to do? You got to just roll with it 
I don't know. What else are we? What else is in the news? What else is new with you folks? Still haven't gotten Omicron. So far as I know. Still avoiding big crowds and stuff and... Staying inside like it's 2020 again and hating every minute of that, so, uh, I don't know. That's... sucks. I don't know. I can't keep... I can't keep working out... I don't know. Not to sound like... Y'all know the, the, the Barry Weiss thing this week. She made a big, uh, splash. Like she likes to do, being controversial and annoying and stupid. Saying she's over COVID. I don't want to come off like that. But at this point, I'm like, what are we doing? What's the end game here? What's, uh, how long are we doing this? Remember when they were telling us, like, yeah, two weeks, flatten the curve, and they're, that was almost fully two years ago? So I don't know, bro. Anyway, hope you're managing all of the stress of uh, just simply being alive in the world uh, at this point. I don't know. How you doing? You doom scrolling a lot? You dissociating a lot? You going into spiraling dread? You going into... uh, uh, dark places you, you, you dissociating could be hope you're managing it if you're not hope you're reaching out for some help somewhere that's the whole thrust of this show if I can offer anything <sighs> I'm a little stressed these days folks not gonna lie but been stressed before I'll be stressed again this is just one moment in a long stressful life that'll end maybe soon (laughs) Um, that's all I got I don't want to keep you too long let's go to the interview Um, it's a lot more cheerful than this intro I didn't you know I'm sorry guys I didn't mean to get all weird. This all just kind of came out. I guess I just haven't really been talking about it. And it all just, like, I turned on the microphone and I was like, what's going on with me? Oh. I've been in a bad place in my head. Okay. Well, what are you going to do? So, let's go to the interview with my new friend, Christiana Jackson. I hope we're friends. I hope she considers us friends. I don't know. I have weird boundaries and stuff and think that people are my friends and they're just an acquaintance and stuff like that. But that's my issue. Let's talk about her issues. That's what this episode's about. And she brings it. She's got some and she uh, is was very forthcoming about it and very cool about it. So let's, uh, I got nothing else. I got literally nothing else. 
what? I mean, what's my life? I get up, I, 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 I take care of my dog, I go to work, I've been watching Yellow Jackets after work, uh, I've been trying to work out in my stupid fucking apartment because I, I feel like I, I feel weird about going to the gym. And that's it. It's a small existence. Anyway, I feel like I keep saying let's go to the interview and then I keep prattling on. So let's just uh, shut the fuck up, Brad. Shut the fuck up. And let's go to the interview. Hey. We were just talking about how we've never really uh, met or talked in person, but that's how this show goes sometimes. And, you know, I appreciate everybody's uh, candor uh, coming on to the uh, uh, show and talking to some dude uh, who they don't know about their feelings. Um, but uh, let's get into it. I, I did a little bit of uh, reconnaissance research about you, you know, today. So I know a little bit about you. I listened okay, to some cool. of your podcast and I, I heard you on some other podcasts. Um, <laughs> you're, you're from New Jersey. Uh, you went yes. to Rutgers. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you come from a performing arts background. Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, so, uh, any other like kind of like broad strokes, uh, origin story kind of stuff we should know about, like what made wow. you who you are? Well, first, I just want to say this. I feel like this is the most uh, attention a man has paid me uh, ever. So I'm like, oh, wow, back background research. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> I hope we didn't go to the deep web because there are definitely some nudes on there. But um, uh, I would say another big broad stroke. Yes. Yeah, so I grew up in, you know, Jersey's a very diverse state in terms mm -hmm. of their cities, their rich towns, their poor towns. I grew up in a very um, blue collar, white, racist town. Like the the clan was, uh, you know, there. People wore Nazi swastikas openly. Like it was a rebel flag. Yeah, yeah. That God was damn. that was. Yeah, yeah. It was a real. It was some real shit. Um, so I grew up in. So yeah, because people think of Jersey, they're like, oh, Jersey. And I'm like, no, no. I no, grew up I in this. Yeah, mix. it's it's yeah, it's I, a mixed bag sometimes. I mean, uh, my girlfriend's from Jersey. She she went to oh, Rutgers okay. as well. Um, ah. And, uh, you know, like I, I know, I mean, I'm from the Midwest and like, I get this, a very similar vibe out there where you're like, yeah, it's mostly chill, but then you will see a Confederate flag, you know, and you will see, you know, just like, mm, I don't know about these people, like kind of stuff, but like, what are you gonna, yeah. what are you gonna do? I, I just Avoid think them, it's I a, it's a part of New Jersey that I think most part of New Jersey and a part of America that we don't really acknowledge or talk about. So like. For example, when I hear um, comics talk about like, oh, white people this, I'm like, not the people in my town. Like I grew up with poor white people. They don't have good credits. They're all like food stamps and stuff. But so I grew up in a very yeah. specific part of Jersey. And then also I grew up, yes, in a performing arts household, but also in an interracial household as well. Okay. So they were just, I think those are a lot of layers of my, my origin sto story, um, both of my, parents parents like dna wise are both black american and then my stepdad uh who raised my sister and i is italian american okay 
Okay, so you got yeah. like the like the full Sopranos kind of experience of Jersey oh, as well. Oh, I, I wish. The first time <laughs> I watched Goodfellas, I thought, this is the Italian-American experience that I am missing out on. And, um, you know, I think they had a lot less trauma than I did. My stepdad was not involved with the mob. Uh, he was a, sure. a pianist uh, and bipolar. And oh, really? also Italian. Um, so there's a lot of layers there. And yeah. also a cancer. Lots of emotions going on. Um, when did you know that he was bipolar? By the time the marriage was over. I mean, we always knew something was wrong with him. Like What tipped you off? I he was I mean, he was like uh he was crazy. Like there, there's, I know everyone's like, don't say no, he was like, he was crazy. There was no yeah. like, oh, maybe. No, he was nuts. Uh, the mood swings were very, very real. Um, and yeah, I mean, just like, it's funny because when I start, I watch a lot of Italian films, like old cinema, especially. Yeah. And they're, when I first started watching them, I'm like, maybe he wasn't bipolar and he was just Italian. Was just and then I'm like, Italian. no, no, it was, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, no, he was diagnosed. You know that he was also bipolar, but you know, the mood swings were very severe. Uh, and that was, that kind of dictated the environment of my home. Like it was, my mom used to say that we used to come home from school. And the first thing we would say is what mood is daddy in? Right. So that was, it wasn't, it wasn't like how people now are like, well, I'm a, it's like, no, no, no. This was like major ups and downs, major swings, catastrophes, uh, uh, a lot of yelling. Like it wasn't a peaceful home, right. but the thing is with him being white and us being in a white racist town, to uh, the outside world, he was this white savior of like, oh my, this black mother, and she had two children, and then she was, uh, she would have been a single parent, and then this man came along and saved them, and it's like, no, he's, in, we would be so much better by ourselves. He's insane. Was he? So, uh, was he violent? Was he abusive? Like, physically? Uh, he was definitely. There were definitely issues in the household with like yeah. uh, safety concerns, and definitely, definitely verbally abusive. And then, and then it all just kind of, um, kind of like once we got old enough, it kind of simmered out, and then um, manifested in other ways. Right. But it was just kind of bizarre because my parents performed together. So once they started performing together, it was like. We for every, like my mom, my sister act like, oh yeah, that's just like daddy. I'm like, no, no, I still hate this man. Like, what are we getting rid of him? Like, this is, I know it's not good for the act, but uh, right. for my mental health and all of us, this is like, he's not a good person. I mean, that's, uh, um, I mean, but that's the makings of a genius. That's how Prince grew up. He grew up in a biracial performing arts household as well. Um, you know, with very uh, emotionally chaotic, insane father and stuff. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it builds character, hopefully, all of the well, trauma uh, you experienced as a child. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, um, but yes, uh, so when when was sure. he when was he out of the the picture? Um. So my parents got got divorced when I was in my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. So I think my mom was just kind of like I think they both were kind of like, well, you know, we're. We're in this marriage and we're raising children. So what? But but neither of them were. By the time we got to like, what? I have an older sister. She's a year and twelve days older than me. But by the time we got we got to high school, they were both very much on their own kind of 
artistic, narcissistic vibe. So neither mm. of them were really around that much, to be honest. But then, but 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 anyway. So my when my father formally got diagnosed as uh, this was before it was bipolar, which is manic depressive back yeah. then. This was in the '90s. So, uh, but it was it was literally already they were getting divorced. We were like, ah, oh, that was that's what it was. Okay, well. Yeah. Good was, luck with that. Was there some uh, sense of, uh, I don't know, regret or remorse in there where it's just like, God, if he had just gotten help earlier, maybe he could have gotten his shit together and been a better dad, been a better husband? Uh, I mean, to be honest, I was just, at that point, neither, I feel like both of my parents were kind of not real like figures mm. in my life because they were just really on their own type of like narcissistic artist, you know. Yeah shit so it was kind of like all right well i mean i had already planned on like i'm going off to college I, i'm starting my own adulthood so it was kind of like okay well great now i officially don't have to talk to you fantastic like mm-hmm. uh but it didn't really no it didn't i think the older that i got the further you're away from it the easier you, it is to have like you know your maturity and understanding and sympathy but I still, if if I don't receive that, there was no redemption on his end. Like there was never been a, you know, a sorry. Like on he's on his apologized. end. He's never apologized. He's never been like, oh man. Like I, I was... mean, well, my stepdad was good at this. Was like, you know, I grew up in the in the in the eighties, nineties sitcom vibe. Yeah. So he was good as if there was like a massive like argument. Like my parents would argue for hours. Now that I'm old, I'm like, how do they have the time? Like we could have probably. <laughs> had more money if they had taken the times they were arguing and just been productive. But um, so then there'd be like a, a sit down talk like at like a like, you know, like a sitcom type of family meeting vibe and there would be apologies. But like it was always kind of not not a real I think as adults, there's definitely been nothing. Right. Yeah. Right. So then you um, you went to college. What did you study in college? Yeah um theater and africana studies so i went to one college in uh, right outside of boston for one semester because i did i did well in high school the things that interested me but then everything else i was very much severely depressed and like survival mode in high school Mm -hmm. so i didn't i couldn't apply myself further than the things that i liked so i my my gpa was like not that great i got into a private college um, outside of Massachusetts, outside of um, Boston. And then I was like, oh, I I'm, didn't apply myself, but I am smart. And so I got my GPA up and then I transferred to Rutgers and I was a theater and Africana studies major. What made you want to do that? Um, theater, I think I was, it's, you know, like I knew that I was a creative person. I didn't necessarily think that theater was my world, but that at the time was like just kind of, the world that I knew how to express myself creatively. And then I wanted to study more of like, yeah, like the history, like the less of performance and more of the actual like art of theater and the history of theater and all of that. Um, and then Africana studies, start, I started by taking one class and then I was hooked and I was like, this will be my minor. And then I got hooked and then it became my second major. That was my real, I'd say like passion, passion was African studies. Theater was cool, but African studies was was uh, amazing. Rutgers is a very, very strong African studies department. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you get out of college and yeah. the real world sets in and uh, you know, you're then what? what, what's your next move? Okay, yeah, I would say college, I was, 
I think I would say I had a I was in the real world in college as mm-hmm. well because I knew I'm like this is your this is your chance to like um be your own person and start your own path and and correct whatever wrongs and just being outside of like you know a chaotic household and stuff I was actually had a very disciplined college yeah. experience and I knew that I had to be disciplined so I studied very hard I worked very hard uh at school I had a job I had uh for most of college I was in a relationship like I was very much like this is your time to get your shit together so I would say like I mean I was responsible mm-hmm. for myself once I left my house so it was a different level of the real world but in college I was very much like I have to, you know, I'm I'm creating my life and I took it very 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 seriously. I was vegan then. Like, I was a very disciplined wow. person. Um, but anyways, but then so I, I my last year everyone was like what are you going to do because obviously there's no jobs for theater Africa studies. So the the theater that I was interning at hired me and I put that it's hired because like they were paying me like no money. Mm-hmm. Um, they were paying me $125 a week, which was the starting, <laughs> starting junior executive salary on Mad Men was the same amount of money. So right. if I ever meet that woman again, I'm going to punch her in the pussy. That's my idea. Because it's like, how dare you? You knew that it wasn't like not enough money to live in New York. But I also, I was going, I went through, I was, went through a two month apartment search. And during that apartment search, I felt like I could do real estate. And which a lot of people feel that way, but I was right. And I was so I I started in real estate about a week or two after I moved to the city. And then I eventually left the job at the theater. And then I worked in real estate for 15 years. I heard you talk about this, too, um, on on a couple podcasts. And uh, it seemed like you were really good at it. And it was like oh, a yeah. big, big part of your life. I mean, you know, when you say they, uh, everybody thinks that they can, they'd be good at real estate. I'm like, mm, I think about that whole world, and I'm like, that could not, that could never be me. That is just not. Oh no, that's good. That is, I, I just, I, I, I would hear, I could do. <laughs> I would hear it a lot where people are like, oh, well, all you guys do is open up a door. It's like, first of all, you have to do a lot to get the, you just get the fucking keys. That's like a whole thing in itself. Yeah. Making sure that door is open, making sure the apartment is is not uh, you know, like filled right. with garbage and Being like you know like there's a in. lot of Yeah. Yeah, like if you're do it's just like any other job. If you do it well, then it looks like it's nothing, but it's also a lot of stress and I yeah. I'm I'm glad that I worked in real estate because I mean, I grew up with I grew up in a starving artist household. Yeah. So as yeah. much as I knew I was creative, I was like I I got to Pay my bills. Like I don't want to grow right. up with the same money stress because that to me is the worst. Mm-hmm. That it's it's the worst. I can't I can't deal with money stress at all. Um, but then also I just learned a lot um, from being in the city. I met a lot of different people. It also gave me the freedom to be able to travel because um, I didn't have a traditional nine to five for most yeah. of those years. So I appreciate what I learned in the world of real estate. And sometimes I miss it. I was, I was very good at real estate. I left cause I was burnt out. Um, yeah. especially doing real estate and comedy was insane. Yeah. You, so you, you do travel a lot. You talk about that a lot too. Um, you're, you're, you're a jet setter. You, you have all these horny adventures, uh, in, in Mexico and Cuba. Um, I mean, to be fair, I have horny adventures, you have horny adventures horny. anywhere you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just a horny bitch. So like wherever I was, I would say like, um, 
people will be like, oh, well, you're like a sex tourist. I'm like, no, I'm a horny bitch who travels. There's a big difference. I yeah. Wherever I am, I'm going to have sex if I'm horny. It doesn't matter if I'm in New York or, yeah, have abroad. You been, but I have traveled a lot. Have you always <laughs> just, like, had a really high uh, sex drive? Yeah, I've I've, uh, I've I've been a dirty old man since I was a kid. Mm, yeah, same. <laughs> it's just a matter same. of growing it was, into it. Yeah, it was a mat for me, especially like I, I don't know for probably a lot of people, but you know you have to go through that awkward adolescence where you're horny as shit, but you have no game whatsoever. And you yeah. know, with me, like my experience of it was uh, also dealing with a lot of like self-esteem and body image issues and you know ADD yeah. and depression and just not being able to like feeling like a lot of social anxiety and and, and yeah, like yeah. I didn't like drink or do drugs when I was in high school and part of college and like just I just had a really hard time socializing had a lot of hard time like expressing myself um and was uh just 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 sad painfully romantic just sad boy just oh. just really like would get a crush on a girl and would get so fucking like morrissey about it and like just mm. really just awful um so it took me a long yeah. time oh. um so i felt like when i finally moved out to new york and finally developed some sort of like a little bit of swag a little bit of confidence then i was just like fucking like dating and fucking with a vengeance i was like dude yeah. we got we got fucking like 10 15 years to make up for here <laughs> like we <laughs> let's go dude yeah that's how that's the thing like well i was stuck in a small town with a bunch of hicks mm -hmm. so i was number one not found attractive there weren't that many people that i found attractive but I, I knew it's funny because I, I and I also was not very attractive. Well, in, in retros, well, whatever, that's a whole other thing. But like in retrospect, I wasn't as unattractive as I thought that I was, yeah. but I was also just in the wrong place. But I remember telling myself when I was in middle school, I was like, you're going to have to you're going to have to use your personality. That's how you're going to get men. You're going to charm them. They, they find they're going to find you charming and interesting so regardless of how i look physically that is that in my head i was like that's how you're gonna get dudes i mean unbeknownst to me i had big tits at the time i wasn't looking at my body i just thought i was like i knew that i was fat for the 90s and now looking back i'm like oh i wasn't actually fat even then like it's just whatever but no, uh, any, anybody you know, with like more than like two percent body fat was fat for the 90s it was fucking ridiculous then yeah, it was, it was a Like Kate a Winslet five. was considered big. Exactly. It's insane. And she was like a size six or something. Yeah. But yeah, so I was fat for the 90s. And then also just my mom had a lot of her own body image issues that she, you know, dumped on me. Mm. Uh, so I didn't, but I knew, regardless, I knew that personality wise, I was like, personality wise, I'm going to get some dudes. That's going to be my thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then once I got to college, my my so my first boyfriend we went to high school together and we were best friends and then we dated and it's it's just funny how you just completely move on from from that but we dated for like three years but then once i was single uh like properly single and an adult and even at rutgers yeah yeah i had, I had a good time i had you, a good time you, and then i uh, continued you lost your v card in college I, I lost it the summer before college. I I brokered the deal with my best friend. I wrote him an email and I was like, hey, listen, we shouldn't go to college as virgins. So we should probably have sex. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, that sounds that that sounds like a solid deal to me. I yeah. don't know. How, that, how, did, how did he respond? Was he just like, "Yeah, sure, I'll be over in five minutes"? Like, well, he didn't. He didn't read his email for a few days. So I was <laughs> like, "Oh fuck!" And then eventually he wrote back and he was like, "Yeah, that'd be that's like a great idea." And it's right. like, fuck. also, I should say, was he he was living in my house? Wow, what? So that helped. <laughs> but he, he was living uh, in your house. Yeah, because his his family was uh, worse than mine, oh. and so basically after high school his mother moved into an apartment that had no room for him just room for herself and his and his and his sister so he had no place to stay and then my mom was like oh well she knew that we were close i think my mom was trying to make sure i wasn't gay i think she was really like let's move some dick in the house and help right. help her fuck but then i think i mean my mom also was very judgy about us having sex like you moved the, a man in my house when i was 18 and horny like yeah i don't know what you thought was gonna happen so you you sent kind of like a, a like pre you know pre-texting risky text and didn't get here back for a couple of days and yet he was like in your house just like i think at out, that time like, he was i think that month he was house sitting our teachers uh, house so that's why you didn't, you didn't step to him um, in which person? then yeah we used to fuck in her house pardon that's why you didn't you didn't approach him with this in person oh yeah no i mean i wouldn't have approached it in person anyway. i didn't have those i mean now i'm a very very direct person but right. i mean i was like you know a virgin in like 17 so i didn't yeah i didn't have it in me to be like yo you want to fuck like no <laughs> yeah no that'd be i mean that's that's terrifying <laughs> at that age it's just like insane <laughs> I somehow, no way. yeah, I somehow, somehow lost my virginity in high school. I had very little to do with it, honestly. I had, like so little agency in it that it it was just kind of silly. Like you know, it was just like the girl approached me and was like, "We should date," and I was like, "Okay," you know, and just like it just sort of like went along with it. And was like, "Yeah, sure, I guess." Like you know, I just saw nine eleven happen, so I guess we're all gonna die soon. So uh, yeah, sure. Oh wow! You know, like, oh yeah, you were. I yeah, I forget that. I was already in college when that happened. Mm, yeah, but I was. Yeah. yeah, I was. I was in high school, and I was just like, okay, so this is bad, and we live in a fucked up world, so I might as well do whatever I want, you know. And just that's sort of my mode that. right now. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, like, it hasn't changed much. We're like this close to World War Three popping off. Like, we don't know. We don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. Hope not. Yeah. Doesn't seem like a good idea, but like. In, in control of that shit like i don't yeah, know no you gotta live your life you gotta get in live your life yeah. brad what sign are you uh why don't you guess oh well god <laughs> there aren't that many horny signs so that's mm. like number one but then of course there's always um hmm let's see there was a lot of prep on the email mm -hmm. so i don't like to prep for the podcast so that being and also being horny ooh, that's tricky that's a those are two hard energies to put to, are you a taurus i'm not a taurus okay hmm i don't know brad that's why i asked you <laughs> i'm a libra uh, oh you're a libra yeah. ah yeah I, libras are a great I, sign libras are a horny sign yeah 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 I don't put but a whole. Shady, I don't put a whole lot of stock shady, into though. astrology. I know. I know. It, like it's a big thing with you. Um, you, you, you're a big fan of astrology. Since I, you know, uh, date women in New York City, I am 
tolerance of astrology, you know, like as a practice, I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, like, but you know, it's not, it's not like super my thing. Um, you- oh yeah, no, I, I get it. But I also, I, this is what's annoying to me. Like everyone's like into it. I grew up like in that, all the stuff that everyone's like newly into. That's the household I grew up in. I remember reading first about my sign when I was like 15, yeah. 16. So I, most of my life has been very astrology driven. It's just now that I'm older, I'm like, I don't have time. I don't have time for certain signs. I've already been through enough men of a lot of different, all the whole Zodiac yeah. to be like, I know exactly how this is gonna go or variations of it. Libras are great, a great time in bed, but I've caught in the past year, six or seven different Libras either before or after they were cheating on someone. Mm. Libras are, are, sorry, but Libras can be very shady. We ain't faithful, we ain't loyal. I, I mean, I've never I've never uh, done that. So, I mean, I, I guess I'm an exception to the rule. But, I mean, you know, being, being horny and being prepared, like, I guess that is a thing. Like, I, when I was, I'll tell you this, when I was in my 20s, I read an entire book about eating pussy. And had that mm. shit just, just prominently displayed on my bookshelf, of course, you know, just like had it just Where? sort of like, oh, I see you saw my uh, book about eating pussy, you know, like, you know, just just thinking that, that I was like God's gift to women or some shit. Like, <laughs> I don't know, but like, I don't know, it worked. I, it's good to like do some some sort of research on that. Like, oh, no, don't it's know definitely good to doing. be prepared. Like, you know, it, uh, I'd rather go that way than, than just like, you know. <sighs> It's amazing to me that I still I talk to women sometimes and like and and they still will talk about how like there's guys out there who just like don't eat pussy at all. I'm just like, well then what are you Oh yeah. What are you doing? Why are you There are even... men who still don't kiss. What? Yeah. <laughs> don't kiss. A woman like yeah, ever cause... like in, even in like a, a... Unless they're, just, unless you're their girl, they won't kiss you. Uh, I, 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 those are men I don't bother. Like I, I have a whole vetting process before I hook up with anybody. Also, I should say I don't know how white men are. Period. So I was talking specifically <laughs> about uh, Latino Libras. So uh, I don't, okay. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know how white dudes are that much. Is so. is, is there there's like a a graph a, a like a. According to your, there's there's Caucasian Libras and there's Black Libras and there's Latino Libras. I've only actually, I'm trying. Oh well, no. One of the loves in my life was a Libra. He was from um, Barbados, mm-hmm. and he also was hiding his wife for years, and I did not know. So, um, I heard about yeah. this on a on a previous on a, on another uh, podcast you were on. You were married. Um, I was married, and that. Uh, some stuff happened. Um, did you, oh, could, yeah. did you want to go into he, he that? Cheated you me. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, oof. wow. Okay. So, um, the first time I went out overseas or left the country, I went to Dublin, Ireland mm-hmm. as you know, most black girls do. Um, but, uh, it was actually, so I was, so my first boyfriend, we stayed friends and then he did debate in college and he was like, Oh, I'm going over to Ireland for like some kind of debate thing. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, I haven't been out of the country. Like, I'll fucking go to Ireland. Um, and then I hated it because it's not just because of the weather. It was, I mean, it, the gray is real. Yeah. We see rolling hills when we see Ireland. Dublin's very gray. And so uh, by day three, I was like, I'm never coming back here. And then by like day five, I think I met my ex-husband in a reggae spot. He was not Irish. He was from Ghana. Um, so when I got to Dublin, I was like, I would just talk to black, black people. I'd be like, yo, where... 
where we hang where is everybody where all the black folks because i still wanted to get some dick so right. i was and i just wanted to have fun i wanted to like chill with black people in other country um so yeah i someone told me like oh yeah there's a reggae spot so i met him at reggae night it was cool we chilled that night we hooked up then we hung out for the rest of my trip then i came back to new york then we stayed in touch and then six months later we got married i was 24 and uh going wow. on to 25 the next month wow yeah, it was an adventure. I've lived a life, Brad. I have yeah, lived a life. You've had some adventures um, for sure. You're you're a very you're a, um a, as your podcast uh, describes you a stout, lusty wench. Um, yes. Are you are you still I, doing I, that podcast? By the way, what's tricky is okay. So I recorded a bunch of episodes, mm -hmm. and then they were all way too long, and then my speakers blew out. So then I get a new laptop and then I was talking with someone else. They're like, yeah, yeah, the episodes are too long. And I was like, word. Then stand-up has gotten busier. So I'm just like, I'm like, all right, you gotta like, uh, I recorded an episode in November, then I got COVID. Mm. Anyway, so yeah, no, it's definitely now I'm like, that the episode was only an hour long. It was good. I want to record solo episodes because I do have a lot to talk about. And then also have guests sometimes, but it's in the works. But there were all these, uh, these moving pieces <laughs> it's like oh great i can't edit a podcast if my speakers aren't working okay right. perfect yeah yeah um but yeah so i've i i used to live in in europe part-time in my 20s because i would travel back and forth it took forever to get the visa to bring him over mm -hmm. yeah let's talk about mental health um i mean we've been we've been sort of talking about it and that's mostly the thrust of this uh podcast but uh your experience with uh you know mental health uh mental illness depression anxiety uh therapy any of that like what's your uh journey been and where are you at now yeah so as i mentioned i grew up in in a home of uh of, uh, you know, where my father's like mental illness, my stepfather, rather, my stepdad, his mental illness kind of dominated the environment. Um, so I say, and so I, I have a lot of sympathy as well, now that I'm out of that situation, obviously it's not easy to be the person who is going through those waves, yeah. clearly. To be but also I understand. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult to also just be in it, you yeah. know, to be in that environment constantly um so it's my that would be my primary experience with mental health i would say it's just like understanding first of all especially as an adult i was always anticipating chaos mm -hmm. so it took me a very long time to understand that like that was just the environment that i lived in that was someone else's path and that i have my own path in life and that I don't have to constantly, literally until about 10 years ago, I was constantly in my head, anticipating, planning ahead, being prepared, just like trying to uh, brace myself for life's chaos. Um, but then also growing up in a household like that, it was so intense. Um, I was, and then I'll, my household, also in my town, I was severely depressed growing up. Um, high school was the worst of it. High school, I was um, not only depressed, but I was very suicidal. It was, I mean, I was literally just trying to get through every day. Mm. Um, just trying to like, that's why like I did the classes that I liked that interest me or just, or extracurriculars. 
I excelled at them, but I did not, the well ran dry. I did not have the, uh, the energy, the mental energy to like do anything past that. So I, and then also just like not really caring. So it's like, yeah, I'm not going to do my history homework. I just, I'm just like, can't, I can't. Yeah. Um, but then also not having any support and I being able to communicate that it was a very intense and isolating experience as an adult. Um, you know, once I did actually go to college and start my own path, I've had less bouts of depression because once again, I understand like it, it's just, I, I'm not in a, in a, in an environment where I feel, I mean, my town, when I say that my town was like racist, it's just to the point where you know, whoever, like whatever you do, it does not matter. I went back to my town um, in 2011, just to take photos, visit old teachers, they wouldn't let me in the high school. And it's just the matter of like, it's, it's not, it's not just the, 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 you know, Nazi regala. And, uh, it's not just like rebel flags. It's just all of your interactions, you know, that you were being treated like you were less than regardless of how well you do at school, regardless of how talented you are, none of it, none of that matters. So I grew up also quite enraged enraged from my environment inside my house and then also from my town. Um, so once I was out of that, you know, I was a million times better because I was happy, you know, I was just, yeah. or, or even if I wasn't happy, I was just out of it. You know, I was just like able to have my own life and have control over things, have control over my environment. Um, so as an adult, there haven't been that many bouts of, depression when i got divorced i was depressed sure uh i didn't realize that for a while though for i thought i was fine and then i remember one day i was i heard a nina simone song and i was like wow i've listened to nina simone in a long time i used to listen to her all the time every day all day long and then i was like you were depressed i was like I was like, yeah. Yeah. That's what it's, people in a good mood don't usually listen to Nina Simone, honestly. She is she's dark. She has got some yeah, that's that's a I, dark soul. That's a a a troubled and dark person. Like you know, just like in in, in a you know spiritual sense. Like she had she had some demons and you can She was hear bipolar. It. Yeah. 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 But you know, if you're depressed, man, you put on some Nina Simone, little girl blue, and you feel yeah. sorry for yourself. Yeah, man, that's the vibe. But um, and then um, as an adult, I had some, uh, I had a health emergency mm-hmm. and a near death experience, and then I went through a depression after that. But overall, my mental health has been pretty good. But I will say this though, one thing that I realized is. Um, for me to combat depression, I it's good. I stay productive. That helps me stay in a good mental space Absolutely. when I'm accomplishing things. Because when I was severely depressed and suicidal growing up, I mean, I couldn't do much, right? So that's my thing. I'll be like, yeah. let's do, let's be productive. But then there are times where I am overly productive that I check in with myself and I'm like, hey, what's going on? Like, what? Why are we painting our cabinets at like yeah. 5 a.m. on a Thursday? Are we all right? Like, what's yeah. what's happening? Are we trying are to we, do? Too are we much? possibly maybe running from some feelings here? Are we possibly trying exactly. to avoid sitting still too long and feeling something? It's hard exactly. to know, and it's it's a catch twenty two for one thing. Yeah. Um, 
when you are like when depression has like one hand holding holding you down it's really hard to get out from under under that hand yeah when the other one's just like pummeling you you know like and yeah. and so like it's once you are under it it's really hard to motivate yourself to do anything that's going to make yourself feel better clean your apartment yeah. go uh buy a new outfit that's gonna make you feel nice um you know just do anything nice for yourself go for a walk go outside do some exercise like you know yeah. any of that stuff like reach out to a friend like any of that stuff yeah. like is like really difficult to do and so like it's it's like self-fulfilling um yes. because the more you isolate and the more you just like sit in your bed uh the worse you're gonna feel but yeah and i say this like right now like we're in the like the the depths of january and <laughs> all i want to do is fucking lie in bed and like it it's like velcro getting me out of there in the morning um because when you are in that mode like your bed is like your best friend it's the only thing that understands you it's the only it's your, it's your yeah. only it's 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 comfortable in a way to isolate and to uh and to wallow you know um because it it it's all just there and you're in your house and you're not you know you're just it's safe, yeah you know that's part of the reason why i'll um do because mm -hmm. i because i know that if i stop it's all gonna come I, i'll say this actually in retrospect so i'm like you've been depressed more often than that i get depressed around the holidays it's the hardest time of year for me because i don't have a very i'm not i don't have a close relationship with my family and, and that's and during the i'm kind of a um out of sight out of mind kind of chick yeah so during most of the year it's like okay whatever but then during the holidays that's the time of year where you know it's family focused so then all of it all that kind of bubbles up to the surface yeah. so i have been good at um if I feel it, since it happens with me, it happens so fast where it's like, if it feels like almost like when an elevator like drops. So when I feel that happen, I will reach out to friends now and just say like, Hey, like it's mm -hmm. happening, whatever. Cause I'll be like, Oh, wait a second. Wait, what's going on? Why are you kind of like pushing people away or whatever, whatever. I'm like, Oh, you're getting depressed. Um, or, or yeah, that's when I'll kind of, I realized that I think maybe like five, six years ago, I'm like, yeah, you're doing the most. And then I was like, oh, you're trying to outrun your feelings. Once yeah. again, I would rather do that. It's not healthy. And I'm, I'm, I at least acknowledge it and I try to balance it yeah. out. But I would also rather do that because the place of doing nothing was such a dark impossibly dark yeah. place for me to be so i do allow myself i'll check in and be like why are we doing a bunch of stuff is it because of this but i'll just say like hey man maybe like take sit down like you don't have to do everything um but i also just love being productive so it's it's it is a delicate balance but i do try to check in with myself when i if i feel something's going on um mm. but you know it's not that easy it takes a lot of discipline yeah, it's and it's again, it's hard to know. Like, yeah, we live in a real, you know, hustle and grind culture. So it's very much encouraged for us to keep moving and, and you know, like get yeah. up in the in the morning and just like go, 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 you know, and, and it's it's seen as a virtue to 
wake up at the ass crack of dawn and stay up until, you know, like burn the midnight oil and um, burn the candle at both ends and stuff. Um, And it can be good. Like you can't, like if you push yourself that way and like me as a sort of depressive person and as somebody with ADHD, I do need a lot of that structure and that discipline. Like I need a like schedule, like 9am you're here, 10am you're here, you know, like, um, because otherwise I'm just like this like mush brain, like, you know, freewheeling. Like I, I just like be like some fucking idiot who like goes to fish shows and stuff. Like, you know, like <laughs> I, I, I like, I can't do it. Like, you know, and like, that's like your whole life. No judgment if you're like into jam bands or whatever, but like that shit sucks, you know? And like, if you, you got to have something else going on in your life. other it's, than It just also vibing, sucks right? if that's not who you want to like, like if you have other stuff you want to do, then you're like, damn, I'm just in a jam band. Like, I'm just going to jam bands. Like, that's that's what sucks about depression where you're like, yeah. I know I have to do these things, but I can't. You're yeah. like, I just, I just, I can't, I can't deal with it now. What movie was that? I think it was, I think it was Forgetting Sarah Marshall where there's that um, Paul Rudd character who's just like a surfer and he just like lives out on like Maui or whatever. And like his whole life is just like, yeah, I just hang out and I just surf. And, and Jason Siegel's talking to him and he's just like, yeah, but I mean, don't you want to like do anything? And he's like, no, man, like this is it. Like I'm just, I'm just this. And he's just like, yeah, I don't know about it. I can't really, you know, it's, it's, it's that like I need to do something. And like, I've noticed like the more productive I get, you know, uh, the more I make this podcast such as it is, it is a uh, creative outlet and I'm less inclined to just like fly off the handle randomly on like a Thursday afternoon because you know like because I'm late for something or something like that I'm like I don't need to be this mad you know because like I feel like I I, like actually am on some sort of click some sort of schedule like it's yeah it's, it's very necessary yeah no I totally agree one of my concerns with um you know now two years ago like the beginning of quarantine is that I live alone. Mm. And so I was like, oh, we got to like figure out how to, I basically replicate, replicated the structure of my day, except at night I would just do Zoom shows. People were, so a bunch of comics, you know, were like, I want to do Zoom shows. And I was like, first of all, well, (laughs) that's all we got. Uh, (laughs) Second of all, I was like, "Um, I got no one to talk to. Like, and I have nothing, I don't want to, I don't, I was like, I, I was, as soon as like I, I knew that lockdown was going to happen for a while, I was like, you need to stay busy because you are alone. So there's no one, there's no one to pull you out. If you fall into a depression, you're there and you're, there's no one, no other activities. So I, uh, I, I do love, I love cooking. So I cooked a lot. Like that was, oh, that was great actually to have time to like, just be standing in the kitchen for like six hours. It was perfect. But then at night I would do Zoom shows. So I'm like, okay, tonight you have a show. It's at eight o'clock. You will shower by this time. You will put on some fucking lip gloss and you will work on these jokes. And right. so that really helped me stay, I think, distracted. I think a lot of my life I really have been, now it's I'm from a, a healthier place. When I was younger, I just was always trying to distract myself. That's really where my my humor, a lot of my humor came from, trying to distract myself or trying to entertain my mom, just to just like get us out of the headspace of like the chaos we were mm-hmm. living in. Um, and then it's so as an adult, uh, that's something I've definitely been like 
it's, I feel less that I'm trying to distract myself and I feel definitely more focused. But I was like, we need to stay like, have objectives, have jokes to work on, have somewhere you have to be to create some type of structure within, and then still also have time to like, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna cook lasagna all day or whatever. But, um, but I needed that structure definitely to help keep me focused and in a healthy mental space. And it was nice because living alone, I was thinking I wasn't subjected to anyone else's mental state. So I was able to just like kind of stay, have a little bit of tunnel vision when it came to comedy and cooking. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, like, you know, and just like kind of stay in that space. But at the same time though, by the, by this past summer, I was like, okay, this is why people took a break because the whole pandemic I've been performing and for, you know, however many minutes acting like everything's fine. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the tricky part about doing comedy is like, regardless, you have to perform. Yeah. And it's, be funny. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's like kind of a mixed bag, like living alone and being sort of cut off from everybody else's mood, especially during like, you know, a global yeah. crisis like that, because uh, I gotta tell you, the mood wasn't great out in the world. If you talk to people or if you're on social media or whatever, it was pretty fucking gloomy. Um, yeah. And, you know, as a like, um, oh, man, I hate when people call themselves empaths because that's like usually the first sign that they're actually like a narcissist or something. Um, but I feel like I am a fairly empathetic person. Like I do take on other people's moods so like when uh -huh. i'm scrolling and everybody's just like we're fucked we're fucked we're fucked this is horrible oh, like yeah. it just that is not a good conduit for me that is not a good yeah. thing for me to take on because i'm just gonna start feeling all of that too even though i'm fine <laughs> like i'm you know like i i am incredibly privileged and you know like the pandemic hasn't like really fucked my life that badly in any way. Like I've pretty much landed on my feet and like, that's great. And I'm grateful for that. But like, yeah. if I just take on the emotions of like just the general, uh, power around me, like, ugh, man, not, not good. Um, yeah. So you're a, you're a fairly, you're a very disciplined person. Um, and you know, yes. And I mean, I mean, I haven't used condoms that much in the past two years, but, uh, <laughs> not really. I, I, uh, I've become a lot. I, okay. This is how I would say when I was young, I knew that I had to be disciplined. Mm -hmm. Like when I start, like when I went to college and stuff, I knew that I had to be disciplined. I knew I had to be hard on myself. I knew that I had to have a lot of structure um, because I just, I didn't want to become, I knew that if I didn't like steer myself right, I would have just been a fuck up. Mm. So I knew I'm like this, you know, luckily I, you know, transferred to Rutgers. I was like, and I did well, I did well in my first semester to be able to get into Rutgers. Um, but I was like, this is your, this is your shot. Like if you don't, if you fuck this up, you're just a fuck up. And then what are your options? You have no financial support. You like you, I had to, I had to get it right. So, um, as an adult, I was, I was pretty strict and disciplined for a very long time. Um, I do like structure, but I also do like freedom. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I oscillate between the two. Mm -hmm. And for me, like there are times like having discipline and being structured and just like kind of work, work, working, but then that also I understand in the long run will give me time to like just 
be like, I'm going to go away for a month or I'm going to go away for two months and just like live life. Yeah. But then also that then also, though, when I'm in another place, a lot of that structure does replicate itself where I'm like, where are the grocery stores? I Now I'll just Google Maps. I'll be like, OK, if I'm saying even when I'm looking for an Airbnb, I'm like, where are the grocery stores? Where is this? Where is that? Like, there's still a lot of or I'll just work remotely. Like I was in Mexico for four months last year and I worked pretty much the whole time to the point where then six, I was going to say for two months, six weeks in, I was like, you're, what are we doing? I'm like, you're down here. You haven't seen much. You're still working remotely most days. Like you have to actually, I had to break myself out of that kind of New York mode. Cause I, I do love working a lot. Mm. <laughs> it's great. But I was also like, you have to like, like let's let's go be free. Let's go see some pyramids. Let's take some day trips. Let's yeah. Take some weekend trips. You know. So um, it's for me trying, especially the older that I get. I turned forty last year. So I'm like, bitch, if you don't slow down, you're gonna be dead in ten years. So right. that's just how it is. That's where you know? we're so different. See, like I'm lazy as fuck, and like I really have to like consciously push myself towards. Uh, effort and then towards, uh. uh, you know, toward, towards anything. And like, I think I do an okay job, but like, it is, it's really easy for me to just kind of like slip into just kind of not doing much. But then again, like if I do that for too long, then I don't, then I feel like shit, you know? Um, yeah, so yeah. it's, it's hard, but like, so you don't, you don't, uh, really, you're, you're not a drugs person. Um, you, no. you don't, you don't drink much. Um, I, I don't, well, uh, no, not really. Not really I'd say right? the past, it's weird. The past couple of weeks, I feel like I've been drinking more often, mm -hmm. but it's still not like drinking. Like I'll like, I'm like, Oh, I had a drink three days in a row, but it's like one drink, you know, right. like I don't really drink a lot. Um, I'd say like one or two in a sitting that, just, that barely even counts. You know? Yeah, especially as a comedian, like I, yeah. as for a comic, I don't like people are like you. I'm like, nah, I don't really drink. Um, I'll you're, go you're home. You're comedy sober. In my pocket. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm enough of a tyrant on stage, and that's me sober. So if I were drinking, I would be so much meaner. Mm -hmm. Like what I was really thinking would come out, and then I would have that would never get booked. I'd be yeah. Um, right. So <laughs> even being sober, it's a lot uh a pretty full-on as the brits would say but um yeah i don't really drink i don't really drink i don't i've never when i was younger i always found drugs kind of interesting but i think i was also scared that i would indulge in them that i would get lost in that world now that i'm older i know that like i would that's just not who i am like i could right. i could have done that by now if i wanted to but, um, and then weed just makes me sleepy. I love a cigar. I love a good cigar. Mm. Yeah, love I, a good I, I cigar. I can never get into the cigar. Like, they look cool, I guess, you know? Like, it, like you know, it's it's a cool uh, concept, you know? Like, I, I like the idea, but I can't. Tobacco does yeah. something. Like, I mean, toba something's, tobacco just does not react well with, with my system. It makes me nauseous. It makes me just like, ugh. Can't do it. Yeah, I mean, I it is a very specific thing to be into as mm -hmm. a woman, and mm -hmm. then just as a person, but especially as a woman. But um, you mentioned earlier, like I've traveled to Havana a bunch. Of, I've traveled to Cuba a bunch of times. Cuba, right. they are uh, known for that. And uh, on my fourth trip, 
is when I started smoking cigars. It was very organic. I wasn't like, I'm going to go to Cuba and I'm going to take these pictures and look cool. Um, I was dating someone and he had a little um, pack of cigars and then we would share them back and forth and we would share bigger cigars. It was very organic. It wasn't like a, it wasn't for the gram. Um, right. It was, it was, but I do love, I do love a uh, nice smooth tobacco. That makes me so happy. I love some good tobacco. Yeah. It's um, I was, I was asking you this because like, I think about, um, you know, like I, I wouldn't say like I'm a big drugs guy. Like I smoke weed and I'll drink. Uh, other than that, like, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy a psychedelic experience now and then. Um, but it's not like really like my main indulgence, but I think like, um, as a fellow hornball, um, often what I think of as like sort of like my dopamine indulgence, my dopamine lever is sex. Um, oh, yeah. and, and I have to, I've had to take a lot of stock in like, uh, is this healthy? Is this unhealthy? You know, like, is, is this something oh. that I'm doing? Uh, is this behavior? I don't know uh, compulsive or addictive is this behavior or is this, or, or do I just have a high sex drive and I have a lot of yeah. guilt about it? And I, there's like a lot of entrenched yeah. guilt surrounding, uh, sex and sexuality, uh, that like, maybe I just feel bad about it. Yeah. You know, just sort of naturally. I don't know. It, it's, it's, I, that's I, another I, like hard line to, uh, determine. Yeah. I, I, to I totally, um, I, I understand that completely because that's something, especially as a woman mm -hmm. and then especially as a black woman, there's already the stereotype we're already hypersexualized. So at a young age, I was aware of who I was, but I was also aware of how society already perceives me. I also grew up like my, I didn't grow up in, um, I grew up in a weird household that my mom was very sex positive in like, she had a lot of friends of like she we, we my parents were performing artists my stepdad had no friends but like my mom like we grew up with like people in the lgbtq community like that was just like my mom's friends they was, wasn't right. like my mom has gay friends it was like yeah that's uncle victor or that's right. like it was just normal so my mom was sex positive and like progressive in that way but she was born again i don't like calling her progressive she was just but like to me, when I think about people when put, they put those labels on them, like we were just raised to just be around, like just be human, like be around people and be open. And I'm very grateful for that. That was definitely a plus of having my mom being a performing artist, but, but also my mom was raised born again. So when it came to like my own personal, like being who I am and knowing at a young age that I have very high sex drive, I knew that I could never be transparent with her about that. Mm -hmm. I knew that I, that was something I'd have to like bury within myself. Um, I knew there was a lot of shame around it, which was weird because it's like, my mom's fine with like her friends being who they are, which is great. Right. But then like her own daughter, she's like, uh, you know, and then like my mom being into like energies, like new age shit was very much like, oh, you know what, you don't know what energies you bring into the household. And it's like, you're married to an insane man, but whatever. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I definitely knew I had to bury that. I mean, I started um, jerking off when I was like 12, yeah, which is pretty early for a, a, a woman, like a girl, like a, you know, 12 year old mm -hmm. girl. Uh, I mean, that, that really changed my whole life. Uh, I've wasted 
I don't even know how many years because uh, once I figured that out, but, and then I had my, I owned my first vibrator when I was like 17. Yeah. There was a sex shop there. I had a friend who was older. There was a sex shop in my town. She's like, Oh, let's go. Or there's one in the town next door too. She's like, Oh yeah, let's go there. And like, I was like, yeah, I'm buying a fucking vibrator. And then that really, that really, well, it made it more efficient, but it did also change my life. But um, I would say for me, like I, I always knew to feel some type of shame about mm-hmm. it or just I internalized that even though I would live my life the way that I wanted to live it. And it wasn't until I started traveling to Cuba and they were very much like, yeah, people were, people were horny, like whatever. Like yeah. it's, it's just, there's, there's no judgment attached to sexuality there. And it's actually celebrated quite a bit too. And so that is when I really started to be able to be comfortable with like, who I am and understand that in the in the context of America, there are all these, you know, preconceptions and, and judgment and whatever. So to be able to see in a different a different culture and especially in a different black culture, to see how it's there's like none of that actually exists yeah. is what is really the reason why I am who I am today so so openly. Um, I am still judged for it. I every night I get on stage, I am judged. And I can see it immediately. And I also don't care because I'm like, well, I don't think you're having a good time. Because if you're having a good time, you don't care if someone else is having a good time. You vibe with them. So, but right. it is all I can. I, I there's their visual reactions to um, me being myself. Yeah, and it is what it is. Oh, you ain't got to tell me. I grew up in like the puritanical Midwest, and I am lucky enough to come from you know a fairly progressive family. Um, you know, I was raised Unitarian and, you know, much like oh, you was yeah. like, we, we, like I had, you know, gay people, trans people, whatever, like uh, uh, growing up around me. And I was just, it like, it was never like a thing yeah. was never just like a, yeah. Whoa, what the fuck? And it was just like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just the overall vibe of the entire society around me, there was like, yeah just the degrees of of slut shaming and um even like i was friends with a lot of girls in high school um and noticed like especially like uh in hindsight noticed a lot of um like internalized misogyny a lot of mm. just like a lot of my impression about what women are like came from other girls who didn't mm. like other girls for being too slutty or whatever. And I was just like, Oh, I don't oh. want to, I don't want to be like with a, you know, with a yes. girl like that or like whatever, you know, like it, it just, there was a lot of that unpacking. There was a lot of this like sort of arms crossed, like killjoy sort of energy um, and judgment towards anybody who, you know, dress provocatively or dated a lot or like whatever, yeah. like their tits were big or like what, like things they couldn't even yeah. help. Like I, I remember like girls talking shit about a girl whose tits were too big, you know? And it's just, oh, just yeah, like, are you mad one. at them? Like what is, it's not their, like, do you yeah. wish that your tits were that big or do you, do you just not like them for another reason? And that's why, like, it never made any sense to me, but I was just like, okay, cool. Like I'm not supposed to, you know, like I, I just sort of internalized a lot of that internalization. Yeah. It was it, it was a lot to unpack. 
Yeah, that that is a weird thing. It is true. Like when you're, I I had big tits. I wasn't even aware they were big because I wasn't I wasn't comparing my body to other bodies. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until there it was uh, eighth grade and some girls left class walking um, in a way that they were like shoving their tits out and their ass out. And I knew they were making fun of me, but I didn't, I honestly did not know my tits were big. I was like a D cup in eighth grade, but I wasn't look, I didn't, I was just like, oh, I'm growing. I wasn't like, oh yeah, I've got big tit. Like my whole body was getting bigger. I weighed a lot. In retrospect, a lot of that weight was probably cause of my tits. But, and then my mom also would always talk about like, do you want to get a reduction? So I never really thought of, but it was, it's, it is interesting how you're perceived a certain way. And I was just like, I mean, I'm 13 and I'm in yeah. a town full of people who chew tobacco. Who am I fucking? Like, I don't like, who am I being a slut with? There's, there's no one, nobody in this town like really wants me, but that perception is, is definitely there. Um, and then on top of, of course, just general racial stereotypes but you're just like i mean i was like i mean i knew what i what i wanted to be and who i wanted to be but i also knew who i was which was like uh, i mean yeah like what's gonna i i didn't know anything for real i wasn't doing anything Mm. so all just aspirations um you got time for one more question yeah Okay, um, let's talk a little bit about God and religion. Yeah. Um, you're you're a religious person still, right? Uh, did did I did I get that right? Did I glean that correctly? Well, okay, well, okay. So I didn't grow up like we didn't grow up going to church. Mm-hmm. My mother was raised born again. My stepdad was raised Catholic, but neither of them they both kind of rejected the church. But at the same time, you could see that those influenced how they interacted with the world and raised us we were raised definitely on some like yeah like some more of like spiritual stuff like all all the stuff that's now like cool we were doing that in the 90s like praying over crystals smudging your house meditating uh you know like all that kind of stuff like my mom used to read cards i like was also raised with all that stuff was just like organic to who i how i grew up was astrology Um, a big part of it too it was, and it was like it wasn't. I think it's more dominant in my life now mm-hmm. uh, than growing up. But it's definitely more of. I mean, we all knew our signs, and also my my house was just all water signs, so it was all cancers, and then my mom's a Pisces, mm-hmm. a lot of emotions. Um, so I kind of knew about my sign, like my my that, but it wasn't as dominant as it is now. But I, I mean, for me, it's super dominant just because I am just for dating. Like a lot of signs are not horny or open or whatever, whatever. So like, I know what signs I'm going to get a dick pic out of, what signs I'm going to get a jerk off video out of, what signs I'm going to be like, I'm never going to send you anything. I don't have anything on my phone. You know what I mean? Like it's, for me, that's really why it's so prevalent. At some point when I'm hopefully like in love and married or whatever, uh, then I'll probably won't give a fuck at all. But in the process, in the hunt for the procurement of dick, I am very much like, oh, you're a Capricorn? Okay. Right. It's not going to you're, you're, you're gonna fuck your job before you fuck me. Like everything's about work or, or, or like, oh, you're a Gemini. Like, okay, you're on this vibe, whatever, whatever. But um, I do believe in God, my own, I pray every day, actually. It's very, very important. That is, some, that is something that I am very disciplined about. Um, I, I, I have a very, very deep faith, which surprises people because I am a hoe, but mm-hmm. you know, I got a lot to be thankful for. <laughs> 
God has blessed me uh, with uh, their creations. But I don't think if God is like, um, I don't think of God in, in the structure of, of like Christianity. To me, like, uh, I think that it's easier to interpret certain energies with names and with images clearly, right? Sure. Yeah, but God's an easy, easy shorthand. It's a, it's a one syllable word, you know? It's a. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so my, my faith in God is very, very deep because I've also just survived a lot of stuff. Like I, I've survived a lot. I've been blessed a lot. I've had a good life. And, and so there are a lot of things that I've, I'm grateful for, deeply grateful for. And then also just, I mean, I've, I've also just lived a bizarre life, like just going for me, the biggest, the biggest start of my own spiritual path is when I went to, I went to Cuba first time in 2011 for like a week completely alone and completely cut off from the outside world. There was no Wi-Fi back then. It was just me on an island by myself. And Cuba is a very safe country, but a lot of things could have gone wrong. And I remember when I came back from that trip, I felt like, um, I, I, that's when I started to understand, like there's, I feel that something has my back. Something is looking out for me. Just also just too many things like lining up of like when I was in need of something, meeting the right person, all those kinds of things, which have happened when I've traveled alone as well. But something about the energy in Cuba, I was just like, all right, like you're you're good. You don't have to constantly prepare for the worst. And then also something is definitely protecting you. Even spending four months in Mexico alone. I mean, a lot of things could have gone wrong. Right. A lot of that's things. a stressful situation for somebody who's always anticipating chaos. You know, well, now, like well that, that person's gone. Like yeah. that, that, that's like me of like 20, I'd say 2011s when, mm. when I started to come out of being that person, not in my head and more just like living, living. But, um, but yeah, I have a very, very, very deep, deep faith in God. And, but I also understand it's not just like astrology. I get why people don't believe in God. Like, because I, I can, for me, it's like proof of my life and experiences that I've had. If someone has a completely different life, I can understand they'd be like, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in God. But nah, I get it. Right. You know, like this, my path is my path. I don't, I don't, I don't think that everyone should uh, believe what I believe. You know, yeah. that makes sense. It does. Christiana Jackson, thank you so much for being on the show. This was perfect this was amazing uh where can people find you and uh, and your work oh yeah so uh if you follow me on instagram that's where i post my shows usually in my stories it's incomparable msc i have also finally um almost nine years late started tweeting regularly mm-hmm. so it's the same uh, my whole mom like you gotta feed the robots bitch you gotta feed the robots so you yeah. gotta do it you gotta tweet but so yeah it's the same incomparable um msc uh, Instagram is my full name, Chris, I'm sorry, uh, Facebook, full name, Christina Jackson. And then eventually, soon, I will start producing episodes again in my podcast, Stout Lusty Wench. Hell yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you once again to Christiana Jackson for being on the show and really bringing it to someone who just knows over the internet. That's some vulnerability right there. And I love that. I respect that. If you would like to follow me on social media, that's Radical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter. 
at selfworst on Instagram. Email the show at selfworst at, selfworst at gmail.com. A lot of ats. I get confused. <sighs> I don't know. Hope you're doing okay. Hope you're chugging along. I know this is a hard time of year. It's a hard time in general. But we got each other as a parasocial digital internet community, right? Sorta. Patreon.com slash selfworst. Help us out. Little as a dollar a month. You can uh, get bonus content and uh, dog pictures and... uh, you know, all kinds of insights and uh, secrets about my life that I only share with my patrons. What's in there? Don't know. Only a few people do. Only a privileged few know what's beyond that paywall. Do you want to be one of them? Join up. Rate and review us on iTunes. That's very helpful. Rate and review us on Spotify. You can do that now if you are listening to this on Spotify, which is cool. I don't know. I, where do all the kids listen to their podcast these days? See, I'm an Android guy, so I got this like bullshit third-party podcasting app. It's called Pocket Casts. That's where I usually do it. I don't do it through Spotify for whatever reason, but I could. I don't know. Whatever. That's how I do it. Who cares? You know, put us on social media. If you if you screenshot this episode as you're listening to it right now, put that on your stories. Tag me. I'll fucking I'll regram you. It'll feel like a connection. It'll give us a just a little squirt of dopamine in our brains. That's really all it's all about. So that's about it. Be well. I love you. I die for you. I kiss you on the lips. Music is by Shea Bartell. Thank you, Shea. I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time. Glenn Pale, it's good for you. Bye.